0: You're listening to Welcome to ELOMA, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about people. Now, as you've probably heard me say time and time again, I believe people matter most, but I think there are different ways to honor people and the impact they have on one another, on an industry, on a business, you name it. I've been really fortunate to be positively impacted by so many people over the years. But I will say, and this might be a little embarrassing for him, there's been one person, one of the people who have had a substantial impact on me and my life and my career and my business and opened up my eyes to different ways people can connect is today's guest, Andy Crestodina. So I saw Andy speak Years ago, when I was living in Chicago, and one of the things that really drew me to Andy was he wasn't afraid to speak his own opinions. He's an expert at his craft, and we'll touch on that a little bit. But I just like that the things I heard him say weren't necessarily what I'd heard regurgitated time and time and time again. So I went to a workshop so that I could get a chance to like meet him And through there, he gave me like an hour of his time as I was starting my my agency, Brainchild Studios, gave me like some knowledge on running an agency, building a business, and has since been an incredible mentor, friend, and colleague. Andy is the co-founder of Orbit Media, an award-winning 40-plus person digital agency, in Chicago. And over the last 20 years, he has provided digital marketing advice to over 1,000-plus businesses and written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles on content strategy, SEO, visitor psychology, and analytics. He's also the author of Content Chemistry, the illustrated handbook for content marketing. All right. With all that said, all that ado, it's been far too long since we've chatted. Welcome, Andy. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. And for that intro, that was so sweet, Kylie. (laughs) Thanks for that. Wow, I'm blushing.
0: I mean, you know, it is. But I think, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. For anybody who doesn't know, you are like the content marketing king. but And that can mean so many things when we get into business. But I think one thing that I've really witnessed you do expertly, really, is use content in all different forms and fashions to connect people. So I know one of the first things that we actually connected on is you hosted, or maybe are still hosting a, well, I don't know the state of the world right now, but a monthly happy hour at a bar in Chicago that we would just kind of get together and connect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just thought that that was a really interesting way to use content, if you think about it, to connect people. So Talk to me a little bit about your approach or your power in using contact to connect to people.
1: Well, that little event is still going, Kylie, and it's tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs>
1: it, yep. Yep. It is. Uh, <laughs> I used to, when I tell people about it, I used to say like, oh, a group of smart, friendly marketers are meeting up at the long room. Lately, I've been telling people, oh, a group of smart, vaccinated marketers are meeting up at the there long you go. room. <laughs> so yeah, that's... uh There's probably going to be 20 or 25 of us. I wouldn't be at all surprised. A bunch of people sound really interested this time around. It hasn't been as consistent. But yes, so one of our early formats for content was to try to do something live because we knew that in person is really how a lot of trust is built. Video being and podcast, probably being second best. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you can do face-to-face and actually meet people, it just feels like a much more durable connection, stronger connections. So we had an in-house event called Wine and Web which you know very well. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, got switched into a virtual event in this era, which is fine. And that's been good. And it's still successful. But Wine and Web was a place where people would come again and again. And it was useful to me to push me into sharpening these presentations and these uh, teachable moments and all these interesting things that uh, it was like a lot of pressure, of course, to do something good because fear of public (laughs) failure is massive and a powerful motivator. So that was helpful, but it soon evolved like into a little community because these people would always come and they would just hang out with each other. And and that was magical. And I was thought, just realized in that moment, just how special uh, something like that can be, how it has value beyond yourself and how people are becoming friends and uh, finding jobs and finding clients and even, you know, finding boyfriends and girlfriends from that event. It was so (laughs) funny to see like how, how many connections were made all different ways. And then, yeah, you and I started hanging out with D Fish, who's a master, masterful connector yes. uh, at the Long Room. And then we decided together that one day to just make this a little thing until people would be there at a regular time, and it kind of grew. Um, and that's still going. Uh, yep. And so, how many, many years, years is past. that? Oh well, it's before you moved to Milwaukee, right? So when was that? Yeah,
0: I moved That'd in. Be... I moved in twenty, the end of twenty seventeen.
1: <laughs> okay, so probably six, seven years. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, it, it had, had already be.
0: been a thing by the time I like caught on and I used to live right around the corner from there. So yeah. I was just like, oh, this is very convenient yeah. for me. Thank you, Andy. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was great for all of us. Uh, and it still is. So, yes, uh, content marketing is an opportunity to share expertise and, and uh, create awareness, but it is so much more effective when it's content plus connections, better yet, content plus community. Yeah. Um, content marketing is a way to, to network. If you want to meet someone and you've got a show like you're doing right now, you can invite people onto the show Mm -hmm. and build connections from that. Anyone in content marketing who gets the chance to contribute to something else, like this little virtual conference I'm doing tomorrow, hey, who's that? Wow, what are they teaching? Hey, I'd like to learn from them. So within minutes of looking at the list of speakers, I'm reaching out to people on LinkedIn, making new friends because we're we're all at the same event. So if you're at an event with someone, that's a networking opportunity through content. If you're in a roundup with someone, that's an opportunity to connect through content. So I just think that, I mean, I'm also part salesperson. So I've always valued relationships and networking. Yeah. But the outcome, I mean, if you've had you know, PR and outreach and influencer marketing and uh, account based marketing and so many things are just so much more effective if they're collaborative.
0: Yeah, for sure. What would you say you've had so many successes in using content marketing to connect people? Maybe what story of a time that it just failed quite miserably.
1: Well, one of my biggest failures in marketing was when I gave a really successful presentation at an event. They invited me back because it was such a high-rated presentation. They told me I could do whatever I wanted to for the next year.
0: Ooh, risky move.
1: And a very <laughs> terrible move. So <laughs> uh, they weren't vetting anything I was doing. So I, like, toward the end, like programs that be printed, I decided to change my topic. They were like, "Fine, do whatever you want." So I started giving this presentation and I had lots of friends in the room because I knew these people from other events. Yeah. So I can see in my mind that room. And I remember so clearly like the people who were there and they were so kind, like Tom Bowen and Jessica Best and Chris Mercer. I love you guys. You saw me bomb, Justin Rondeau. (laughs) You saw me bomb from the stage and you were all so sweet and gave me high scores anyway, even though that was an awful presentation that sort of uh, (laughs) failed to live to the promise, which is first drill in marketing, right? Live up to your headlines, promise. <laughs> and so that was one where my, my friends and colleagues and community tried to help me, but it was insufficient because I made a bad decision. <laughs> that, but So that was, con, that was a community that was helpful, but didn't save the content failure.
0: It just wasn't happening. It wasn't in the cards. Terrible. So talk to me a little bit, Andy, about what is your motivation here behind utilizing content marketing or content in general to connect people. I know you talked a lot about relationships and sales, and I think there's a lot of overlap there. Sure. But oh, yeah. 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 Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I frequently get these. So if content marketing can make you relevant for something, but that relevance is, is uh, usually not a fit for the person that, that um, is exposed to that content. So, you know, you talk about a topic that topic is kind of an adjacent topic to what you do for professionally, but you do it, you know, that's what content does. It makes you relevant to a broader audience so that you're top of mind for the for the person when they need that exact thing that you happen to do, even though not everything you talk about is the exact thing that you do. Otherwise that would be like advertising. So content marketing is frequently about like the adjacent topics, right? Yeah. That's normal content strategy. I teach, uh, we're talking about networking. I don't do that for a living. We build websites, right? We're talking about a very adjacent thing now, which I love. It's more fun that way. It's more useful to more people. But one of the problems with that is that you you become relevant for a thing and people ask you for that. And then you find your people are asking for things that you can't help with. And your next motivation should be, who do I know? Mm. So I really invest a lot of time, Kylie, in making introductions. It probably four or five times a week, I'm writing these really detailed emails introducing two people that don't know each other, hoping that it's a useful connection for both of them. And people find jobs that way and people find clients that way. And my inbox is also filled with thank yous for connecting yeah. me with you know, for connecting them with other people. So that is something that yeah, it should be happening if you're good at content marketing is that people are asking you for things that, you know, where you're not, it's not your your A game or your wheelhouse. And then you're making introductions. So, the connections really just flow almost naturally out of being a teacher anyway, normal.
0: No, I love that. And, you know, I think that also speaks a lot to your character and as a leader in this space. I know, I think one thing you said to me a while ago was there's enough work for everyone. And I think Mm. that oftentimes people get quite competitive for understandable reasons but they're not as willing to make those connections, make those introductions, share those resources. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and just assume or guess that you taking the time to go out and make those introductions, those very thoughtful introductions has probably repaid itself in dividends over the decades.
1: It actually pays for itself sometimes within minutes. Uh, <laughs> okay. So yes, Obviously, yes, <laughs> right. But 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 here's part of the psychology, and this is helpful for people doing content, doing marketing and sales together, or anyone just responding to leads. So this was my day on uh, Thursday. Prospect wants to talk about a project. Clearly, they can't really do the project until they have they remedy some stuff in their analytics because they it's a site with massive traffic, and the whole idea of the project is to increase engagement for all these visitors. So lots and lots of data mm-hmm. analytics is not really set up for that well. Right, there's a, some of the most important interactions that visitors have on that website aren't tracked very well. So, hey, can we just use you, you know, to do, can you redo this for us? Well, you need the data first. Okay. Can you help us with the data? No, it's not really our main thing. You should talk to mm-hmm. Chris Mercer or Andy Cushing or Dana DiTomaso. And I'm happy to make introductions. And now they're like, it's weird, Kylie. I'm going to, I've really discussed this, but this is how I think what, ha- this is what happens, I think, in the moment. The psychology is sort of like, well, if you're not selling to me, someone on this call should sell to somebody, right? I'm, now I'm going to try to sell to you. That's what they start doing is trying to pitch me on their project. As soon as the prospect realizes that you're not trying to sell them anything, mm-hmm. the conversation will sometimes flip, and they start to more aggressively pursue you as an option to help them because they real because there's trust. Yeah. Because you're. You're sort of like slightly out of reach in that moment and that's enticing to people. So so they came back and they're like, well, what about this? What about this? Could you help with this? What if we just paid you to do that? Could you do some consulting for us or could you? And I'm like, no, no, no. Just, I'm sorry, but they're a better fit. Go talk to them. So this prospect is going to do the right thing and they're going to get the right help. I'm going to make sure they get the right help. But the trust that I built on that call, Mm -hmm. I'm... Fairly confident that they're never going to hire anyone to do what we do without at least giving us a look and kind of the, you know, yeah. the right of first refusal.
0: Yeah, it's quite liberating and removes a lot of pressure when you really just look at the situation like you're just
1: trying to help. Yep,
0: I know that's every I, conversation
1: I have. What would yeah. I do if I were you? Yep.
0: Yeah, I, and I love saying that to people too. It's like, well, you know, if I were you, or as a fellow small business owner this is what I would do. And mm-hmm. I would maybe divide and conquer in that way. And maybe we're not the right fit. Another thing that you said to me early on in my career, Andy, and I still like remember this and all the time, but you had mentioned you're like, disqualify clients as soon as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. so
0: often as a business owner, you're like, what? Why would I do that? That sounds terrifying, but you're 100% right. Like, And part of that, I think, is not just being a smart salesperson but it's also expanding your network and and rooting down in your authenticity and what you're good at and how you can really be helpful and also saving your time by not working with the wrong people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a time saver. Uh, It's also it it saves so for all the small businesses out there, it really saves your margins because margins are the worst on the weird one off things that weren't in your process, weren't your ideal client profile. Uh, They weren't the main thing that you do every day, you know, because everything's going to lead to something else. And if you do mm-hmm. something weird, that's unusual for you and be entrepreneurial still. And I love that and let things, you know, flex and, you know, there's upsides too. But on Sunday, I was giving a presentation to the Independent College Bookstore Association, hundred year old oh. organization, all college bookstores, like really cool, very niche, like that, that group, they're all independent college bookstores. Presentation goes great. They're not in my audience at all. Like we wouldn't doesn't make sense really for yeah. me to be there so much you know but it was a trip and for my family and we went all went together but I'm talking to them and thinking afterwards you know could you help with this or could you help me with this or do you do consulting and I'm, if i said yes to that then i would be taking a step in a direction that would probably lead to more of that yeah which i don't need and want like that's not so everything leads to more of that thing so be careful what you say yes to you're better off staying a little bit hungry and being a little bit slower maybe for the month and wait and keeping your powder dry for the ideal client that's likely going to come along. Yeah. It's tough. It takes courage, but it's going to be, you know, your, your, your job is really to get an A plus on everything you do, which is very hard to do. If you start doing consulting for college bookstores, if, you know, not, <laughs> if not my not thing, I'd love to help them and I I will help them. In fact, I I gave them my scheduling link. They can find time with me. I'm going to offer whatever Mm -hmm. help I can sort of informally, but um, I don't need to start consulting for a niche audience. That isn't really what we do.
0: Yeah. So I want to dive into that just a a little bit further, because this is something I've been playing with a lot lately is this idea of just because I can or I could doesn't mean that I should.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) I have a degree in Asian language and literature. I I finished college (laughs) fluent in Mandarin.
0: Oh my god. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. I have a Chinese wow. degree. Lived in China. Finished building the level of fluency that I expected for myself. Talk to anyone on any topic, very comfortable. This is in like, 1996. Wow. Hey Andy, why didn't you stay in China? You know, what think of what you could have done. That country you know, the economy was about to blow up. You'd be a gazillionaire. That would be it. sure. Maybe. There's so many opportunities. You have to make choices. <laughs> life's about choices. Right. There are yes. so many opportunities to all of us all the time. So if you know, if you really, it's almost frightening, like if you think about how free we are to pursue so many interesting things. Yeah. I sometimes as recognition for my team, I make these little like paper mache sculptures. People think they're really cute. Usually those dragons, <laughs> those little dragons oh, wow. at people's desks. Andy, you should make paper mache dragons and go to art <laughs> fairs. Like, sure, I could, but no, it you've got to make. Decide <laughs> make yeah. it make a choice, go all in on something, do it as long as it takes to figure out if that's going to be your thing, yeah, in other words, you enjoy it, the clients get results for it, and you get paid for it, and then uh leave room to pursue interests but i I think it's the world you know the universe seems to really benefit those that stay very focused on one thing they those specialists are driving the best value these days,
0: yeah. You know, a lot of times people have a hard time understanding or making the decision for themselves on what to say no to, like what is a clear yes and what is a clear no. Do you have any guiding lights that you like to tap into when Mm -hmm. making some of those decisions?
1: Well, every business evolves. I've been told, every. I don't have an MBA and I'm kind of the opposite of like a a real like like legit trained businessy type with Excel skills. I don't have, I'm bad at (laughs) spreadsheets. But, but uh, so what the MBAs would say in this class and books on this, I'm sure, is that every business evolves from being very entrepreneurial to being sort of managerial. Mm. So in the beginning, or what do they say? The four phases of a team, you're foreman, storming, norming, performing. So in the beginning, you need to have chaos. You should pursue chaos. You should allow these things to evolve. You shouldn't do weird stuff early because you're going to find out if maybe that worked really well. Yeah. That's the team is forming. The team is storming as in brainstorming. But then you are in the norming phase, and you start to get better at things. Create process for things. Put in kind of rules and guidelines for yourself. You're building your best practices. And then the job is, you built a machine. Stop tinkering. With, I mean, tinker with it, but don't yeah don't disrupt it. Yeah, l- run the program. You built the program. Run the program. So business owners have to keep in mind that in in a way, their goal is to put walls around themselves. If you started a business because you love chaos, uh, you may be Keep in mind that part of what you're doing is making a thing that doesn't have that chaos in it. So mm-hmm. there's founders who really eventually get unhappy and need to step back, or you, know, you try to build the thing so it runs kind of without you. Or you just evolve what you love and, and then you get to you know you enjoy optimizing the systems, or uh, improving them, or coaching the people with, who work within the system to uh, get what they want out of it. So yeah, you have to, in the beginning say yes to all kinds of stuff, do weird stuff, have fun, Get, be chaotic. But yeah. eventually you have to recognize when you're, when you're tilting into the norming and performing stages, which is when you really need to... Um, you should be saying no probably to most opportunities.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think especially in small business and with so many changes for everybody over the last couple of years, That's always kind of a bit of an evolving process in terms of what's the difference between pivoting and what's the difference between disrupting the system. And it's a fun game to play.
1: (laughs) It takes, that's sarcastic. It's not
0: fun. It's not a fun game to play.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you always have other opportunities. You know, you Mm -hmm. can always form a, there's a really famous content marketing company called Animals, spelled with a Z. They work with SaaS companies. Maybe you've heard of Animals. Ryan Law is one of their main guys now. It was Jimmy Daly. Animals wanted to build a community, speaking of connections, uh, for content marketers to uh, create a a career path for themselves. That's a different thing, right? Yeah. They spun off a group and they took one of their best people, Jimmy, and put him on this other thing and it's called Super Path. Great. Start another thing, you know, get weird. That's cool. Try that. Mm -hmm. But animals as a company, is probably well positioned and optimized with good word of mouth and strong processes don't suddenly change that into a online community of job candidates. <laughs> you know right. that? So it's about, it's a strategic question. It requires judgment and uh, there's no right answer, but you know, you have to recognize that you're only a startup in the beginning.
0: That's a really good call that you're only a startup in the beginning. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, so many entrepreneurs, Thrive on that, thrive on mm-hmm. that excitement and that chaos and all those things. And sometimes I think uh we kind of are our own worst enemies because mm-hmm. to a certain degree, in some cases, you kind of like want to keep that because it feels normal and that's what you're used to. And then when mm-hmm. it gets a little bit easier, like, wait, wait, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I have to change things. And uh yeah, yeah I think we get in our own way sometimes.
1: I have a lot of friends like that. They get bored. We you know one problem is they get yeah. bored. Uh, Another problem is their, their team gets frustrated because they're too chaotic. Yes. Uh, They're throwing things at their team that don't fit and their team is confused. Yep. Another problem is they're just not a manager. People like me, I'm really not a manager. I hired a CEO. I'm not the CEO. Yeah. So you got to recognize that maybe you stink at that job and find someone else to do it. So it's, what are you doing? Are you an entrepreneur who built a job for themselves? Or do you want to be an entrepreneur who builds a company that would survive without you?
0: isn't that the million dollar question and it's mm-hmm. uh it's how do i build them to becomes how do i build a company that can survive without me um, yeah. yeah i love that andy in your time your very long tenure with orbit what would you say are some of like your greatest wins in terms of people like people and connections and and helping to build the business
1: hm well they probably won't hear this so Yeah, it's unlikely my team will listen to this, but so I'll just be (laughs) forthright about the story. And um, it's mostly, it'd be a shout out anyway, if they did hear this, but the people who started here in the early days and are still here, that is an unbelievable honor to have been a part of someone's life from like recent college graduate or didn't go to school. And like, we Mm -hmm. saw potential. Some of my, like the people who've been here for like um, some of them 15 years now. Wow. So some of our earliest employees are all still here. And the fact that they keep coming back to work and the fact that they're, you know, that grown up and have got kids. And I mean, these are people who I remember just how those first like weird, you know, interviews or meeting them at that art school portfolio show and just hiring them almost off the street and just like faith and guts and just positive attitude and honored. Yeah, that um, the some of their last names have changed. So, you know, uh, <laughs> Jessica and Brian, Andy and Alex, and Aaron. These are people who've been here for uh, since almost the beginning, wow. and the, and it's been it's hugely humbling to have been this big a part of their stories in their lives.
0: Yeah, well, and vice versa, for them to have committed so much of their lives to this company yeah. i mean that is oh, wow so humbling and so flattering and says a lot about i think it's also a good reminder for owners to remember the importance of investing back into your team because we know how difficult it is to find great people and find great talent and so when you do you know everyone always says like oh you do anything you can to hold on to them well but it's true for good reason not just like the yeah. humanity part of it, but it, there's a very good business case for that too, right? But I think that there's multiple sides to that coin. And and we talk about investing in your team at work, but I know you have a couple of kiddos at home. And so it's it's a bit of a balancing act a little bit. So as we start to wrap up here, we're all doing this work on a daily basis to, because we, we think it matters, right? We, we think it matters. So Andy, what legacy or impact do you want to make hmm. legacy? Do you want to leave impact? Do you want to make,
1: this is such a different conversation. I like these questions. Uh, this <laughs> is kind of tough. Well, but good. <laughs> I'll, 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 con- I'll confess. It's a bit of a fantasy that like, um, I'll be gone. So I'm, I'm like, I'm a late dad. So I'm 50 this year and I have a three-year-old. So um, <laughs> it's, well, uh,
0: happy early birthday. That's a big one.
1: Yeah. But maybe like there'll be a day when I'm gone and they're older and they'll meet someone who says like, oh, your dad really helped me. That'd be my legacy. You know, if oh. if the little boy or little girl grow up and they, and they meet, they come across somebody who's like, oh, wait, I recognize your name. Like, oh, oh, I knew your dad. He was blah, blah, blah. Like they say something positive. So. I hope that I ha- I can reach enough people and help enough, you know, in these communities that someday I get some like uh, from beyond the grave uh, word of mouth <laughs> something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's the idea. So,
0: so using your your professional, maybe personal as well, impact that hopefully your kids get the opportunity to see from a potential third party someday.
1: Yeah, like you know, your dad. I mean, who doesn't want that kind of legacy? Yeah, and not legacy like. With any, you know, just with them, right? I just want. I, I hope. I hope that I'm remembered as a good guy, and that, and that, um, that they, that they hear that someday from someone. That's kind of a selfish thing. Why am I even? No one's asked <laughs> me that question, so sorry for the weird answer.
0: No, I, I'm honored that I gotcha on a on a good question. But no, I think that that's very human. I think that's very. I don't think that that would be on un, an uncommon response from most parents. Is they want to raise good kids and they hope that the work that they're doing matters. And at some point, yeah. if someone else can say a yeah. kind thing about them to their offspring, like that, yeah. that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's, there's other things. I mean, I, I want to leave, um, I want to minimize my impact on the planet. You know, I me mean, as, as a huge tree hugger, that's a big part of it. Just being just teaching and knowing that I've like helped, you know, helped someone or like the, the very nice things you said in the intro. Um, but these <laughs> well, are I guess, all very universal, true. right. We, we all just want to be helpful. So,
0: yeah, that's one thing I have noticed. And this might sound like a really dumb statement, but as I continue to talk to people and just ask like, well, what do you want? What do you want? What, what change do you hope to make? I would say like almost 10 out of 10 times, we just want to help and, yeah. and we all help in different ways, but we just want to help people. It gives me a lot of restored faith and humanity. <laughs>
1: it's really true. And I think people underestimate that it's a, it's rare to meet some. So like, um, I'll give you an example. So I have a scheduling link. Anyone can click this link and put 30 minutes on my calendar. Mm -hmm. I share that all the time. I have a text expander tool. I use text. So with three keystrokes, I can share my, my 30 minutes scheduling link. Hundreds of people have this. In other words, there are people all over the world who can put themselves on my calendar with no permission anytime they want. a, a normal business coach would say, Andy, you're, you're insane. You've, <laughs> you lost control of your time. That's a terrible idea. But actually, nothing bad has ever happened from that because nobody wants to waste someone else's time. Yeah. Nothing bad would happen. Go ahead and post your email address. <laughs> well, that one, maybe be careful, but because <laughs> there are spammers <laughs> out there. But Just who's going to abuse, who, abuse a calendar scheduling link? Yeah. You know, then you're on a call with someone who's wasting... No one does that people care. People are helpful. People want to be kind. People want a good reputation. People want to make an impact. So I think it's, I fearlessly share that scheduling link. I'll share it with you. You could share it with anyone. And uh, in my experience, it does not get abused because people are generally very good and honorable and helpful and and, um, empathetic.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, All right. I've got one more question for you, Andy. Maybe this might be a stumper too. We'll see. In all of your experience, life and professional, what would you say is your greatest insight or discovery between life and entrepreneurship?
1: Hmm. It's similar to the other answers because there was like, oh, you need to do marketing. And, oh, the most effective way to do marketing. It's more durable, it gets better word of mouth, it works better for social and search and email. Content marketing. OK, great. I'm going to do marketing. It's going to be content marketing. Then you get into content marketing, and most people realize this right away, or they' just someone just explains it up front. But it's just teaching. That's all we're doing. That's the whole point, is to help someone do a better job or be a better version of themselves. That is marketing. What is networking? What is sales? What, all these things are the same thing. It's just being a useful citizen of the Internet, or a helpful person in the room. It's all I want to do is to be a teacher and a helper and a service-oriented professional. And that's extremely common. That's not a weird answer. That's normal. Mm-hmm. So that insight, that moment when you realize, oh, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm here for. That's what this piece is. That's what this video, this conversation, Kylie, mm-hmm. that's really all it is. So uh, we, do it all, we do it all the time, routinely and instinctively. Uh, a marketer is just doing that in a browser.
0: There you go. All right. Well, Andy, I really, really, really appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. And then, just real quick, if anybody wants to reach out, what is the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Well, my LinkedIn is set for the follow button. But if you click more, you can find the connect button. You can connect with me there. Andy at orbitmedia.com is my email address. If you need it, I'll share my scheduling link with you. You're welcome to use that. <laughs> click it. I'll, I'd love to see you on my calendar, any of the listeners here. And then, um, I mean, my, my, I, have, I wrote a book, as Kylie mentioned in the intro. You can find that on Amazon. I have a um, And the blog is at orbitmediastudios.com slash blog.
0: Love it. And we'll make sure that that gets into the show notes too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Really, really, really appreciate your insights and so good to chat. We need to talk more often.
1: (laughs) Great to reconnect. Come down tomorrow.
0: I will see if I can. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, Kylie. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.